Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I am pleased to announce my special guest, Dr. Shafali. Dr. Shafali is a world-renowned clinical psychologist who specializes in the integration of Eastern philosophy and Western psychology, making her an expert in her field. As an international speaker, she speaks at events around the globe, spreading her message of conscious parenting and mindful living. She also has a private practice where she consults with families and couples. She has been endorsed by Oprah, stating that her work is revolutionary and life-changing. She is Oprah's favorite parenting expert. Her groundbreaking approach to parenting has taken her books to the top of the New York Times bestsellers list. Dr. Shafali, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me and sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. Oh, thanks for having me, Sue. It's a pleasure. So let's talk about parenting. You're knee-deep in the teenage years with your beautiful daughter, and I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are curious, what do you find most challenging in this teenage arena? I think I would say, you know, the real letting go and allowing the teen to kind of assume and occupy, harness, and mobilize their own autonomy. And I think allowing them to have the illusion of grandeur that they have and the illusion of invincibility, even though you think it's so illogical and so uh, unwise, and you want to caution them and you want to prepare them and preempt them and forewarn them that all these anxieties we have that they learn these school these tools of you know forward thinking and planning and you know uh, organizing their life in a coherent way that that recognition that all these fears come from us and to allow them to be enshrouded in their own webs of you know the illusion that they are you know, completely um, invincible and that they can handle everything even if they wait till the last minute or, you know, teens have this way of of living that can appear quite impulsive and illogical to the adult. And it's a challenge for us to recognize our fears in that, that get triggered by that and to allow them to have their own process through it. I think so that letting go and allowing is really, really key because these teens are developing their own autonomy. And if we impede too much, we lose the connection and we will uh, isolate them. So there's a fine balance, it sounds like, between letting go and ushering in a way that helps our teens to grow and develop successfully and safely. Yes? Yeah, but I, I think our challenge, the place where we find it hard, is the letting go. You know, in the ushering although that's such a delicate, nuanced term, and we can quickly convert that to over-controlling, it's really the letting go part of that dynamic, right? It's ushering and letting go uh, without getting controlling or neglectful. 
So it's that delicate dance, but it's the letting go that's hard. You know, we can always lean in. It's the backing off that's hard. And that's what we need to do in teenagehood is so much backing off. So with your own teenager, how do you find this looks for you on a day-to-day basis? I know we're getting very personal here, but what do you find to be the hardest area for you to let go of? Well, I think for me, it's the planning. You know, I'm a pre-pre-pre-planner. I plan everything in my head. Everything is sorted out before I get to any point. I've thought things through. And my daughter is not a planner. Uh, I don't even know what she is. She's just a liver (laughs) in the moment. And she just waits for the last minute. And I've had to live with this anxiety for a long time and had to really transcend it and understand that this is her pattern. And it's designed to make an organized person crazy. So I have two choices. Either I make her organized or I let go of my desire that she be organized. And since I can't do the former, because you can't make anyone do anything, you can try, you can again usher, but at the end of the day, the kid will do what the kid will do. And so I had to really let go of my anxiety that things should be organized and she has to learn. Like just recently she missed the deadline for her schedule change and she's like throwing a fit as if it's the world's fault and she had to understand that it was only her to blame. You know, she'd missed the deadline, she missed the deadline and now no one can clean it up. So in a way life will teach her the lessons that I obviously couldn't. And uh, and so then the task for the parent is not to jump in and rescue, you know, and not to feel anxious when the kid is now stuck in the discomfort of their own consequence. So, you know, it's all these lessons that we've had to learn. And and specifically for me was this big lesson around pre-planning and being organized. And, you know, I'm always, you know, well, well before the event, you know, have kind of thought through everything and to have a teen who doesn't have that faculty because she's so laissez-faire, which is a good, great thing on one hand, because she's not anxious. But on the other hand, she's too calm and too relaxed. So, <laughs> so she has to learn other kinds of lessons and to always remember that they're always learning lessons, whether we want them to learn those lessons or not, and we prefer that they didn't have to learn the lesson and just knew the lesson is, is all our, in our own head. You know, they're always learning lessons and that's always the reassuring and I think the, the most learning happens from these pitfalls when things happen and they don't go the way they hope they go. I think they take away the most learning themselves. Don't you agree? Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I, I raised two non-planners, so I totally understand what you mean. They didn't plan. They, there was no ideas of what it was going to look like. And I'm very organized almost to a fault. So I, I definitely can see the challenge in letting go in this arena and certainly experience that myself. Yes. So what, what is the hardest thing about being on this path of really teaching the world how to live more mindfully and consciously? What is the challenge in trying to do that every day in your own life? I mean, are you ever, do you ever find that you're triggered uh, by, you know, what's going on in your family and trying to get yourself through those triggers? Uh, well, I am always challenged, but having done this work and teaching this work, I really push myself to apply the principles and test them. And I do, I have to say, I do do that. So even if I do get triggered and I forget, 
it's not long before I can come back to my center now. I mean, it max 10 minutes, max. Like if I've lost, I mean, it's very rare that I've lost my center for 10 minutes. And I don't say this as pride. I say this as a fact after years and years of cultivation and training. And, um, you know, there's, there's no glory here. It took a lot of work to get here. So I, I still get challenged. Of course I can get challenged. But I'm very quick on the turnaround. You know, two minutes is the really actually the average max. Uh, Ten minutes is I've gone insane. You know, something has really interested <laughs> uh, I just refuse. The reason is because I refuse to lose my center. I refuse to give anyone the power. I refuse to not live joyfully. I refuse to not live equanimously. So it's really out of a selfishness that I don't react anymore because I know that life is so much more than what we're reacting to. And, you know, all of this is just a game. So, yeah, so there's no challenge. It's only an invitation to keep applying what I teach. And, you know, at the end of the day, we can only teach what we really know. And if we don't really know it, the chinks will begin to show and we won't have an authentic presence. So I have to do the work if I want to keep showing up authentically as a teacher. I mean, there's just no escape now. Now I've really put myself in <laughs> the deep down the rabbit hole. So there's no fooling around with this. This is, this is something you have to really live. And it's such a beautiful thing to live it because it's the best way to live. For sure. And I think you're, you're such a beautiful model for so many people in sharing some of the things that you do share uh, about your personal life and what happens with some of these pitfalls, but how quickly you're able to turn them around because we all learn from you and we learn in such a beautiful way with such a gift of honesty and, and truth from you. And I think that's uh, something that I know I truly admire. Thank so you. Thank you. We know a lot of people who, uh, you and I both, who are on this journey of awakening and really seem to handle perhaps the majority of their day in an aligned space. But maybe there are times that their fight or flight takes over with their kids or their partners or their colleagues. So, what could you recommend? What's your best advice for them in those moments? You know, they're not as far along, obviously, as you, but maybe they're doing the work and pretty awakened in most of their life. What can they do when these moments kind of hit them? Well, again, you know, with great compassion and uh, great inquisition, you know, like an inquisitive, not, not, not necessarily an invasion, but with great uh, piercing, insightful curiosity to go deeper, you know, to go, okay, that, that, it's another invitation to become more aware. I'm not invincible. I'm not infallible. Uh, these things are going to still happen. So how can I go deeper? You know, it's when I screw up, I, I never have the narcissism of, oh my goodness, how could I do that? That's narcissistic. I'm like, yeah, I am just completely fledgling on this journey and I'm going to mess up many, many more times. I don't hold myself to some unyielding standard of perfection. I'm very, very aware that I'm just one stroke away from being an absolute raving lunatic. So um, when I do cross over to the dark side, I'm very aware I'm here, here I am, okay, compassion and release. And that's how you get out of it faster. You know, most people react, but then they react to the reaction. And that's what in Buddhism is called the second arrow. And you keep piercing yourself with the second arrow hours after the, the first arrow is complete. Absolutely. 
I, I heard a quote uh, years ago that was like read like this, come to the dark side, we have cookies. So, <laughs> you know, there's a celebration in the dark side, I think, from that particular quote in that we learn so much about ourselves as we move through it. If we stay there, perhaps we don't learn as much. But as we move through whatever challenge might be hitting us in that moment, we might be enjoying the cookies, but also moving back to the other side. Yes, yes, exactly. So what, uh, what would be, I know you, you know, you teach consciousness, you teach mindfulness, um, you're known all over the world, which is a beautiful thing. What would be one of your most precious parting gifts for a parent today? One of the most important things that you hope parents will take away? That this moment before you that you're so anxious about is really an eternal moment. So whatever you think needs to happen right now, and if they don't get into the college right now, or they don't clean up their room right now, is really showing up as a, a time-bound moment because we are limited in our awareness. When our awareness expands, then that moment expands into eternity. And we realize how silly we are to focus on the moment before us as, as if it's the most paramount moment. Now, the moment before us requires presence, but not the anxiety we put onto it. The anxiety comes because we believe like this moment is the only moment that our kid can pick up the backpack. And if they don't pick up the backpack right now, then we're going to yell at them. And if we can just instead enter the moment, not with anxiety, but with great infinite expansion that this moment is a timeless moment where you can be present and just attune to the moment and enter a different vibrational frequency with the moment, then that moment that two minutes ago was so anxiety-ridden suddenly becomes replete with this kind of calm. And I think it, you have spoken beautifully about the anxiety that we see in the world is because in many cases, we take on this as the end of the world. Exactly. Everything seems so big and so heavy as opposed to just looking at the moment we're in and not thinking about the future and the past and everything else exactly. and how it plays out. Exactly. So I think that is incredible um, information for our listeners. And I'd love to touch on one more thing. And that is your amazing conference every year, this being the fifth year, 2019, mm -hmm. that you have in October which offers people all over the world transformation. Yes. I'd love to tap into what the goal is of this conference called Evolve. When you began it five years ago, what is your goal? What was your goal then in looking at this beautiful opportunity for people to come together in a rich transformation? Yeah. So every year I hold this gathering called Evolve, and it really is a collective of the most like-minded, like-hearted individuals. And we really come there to discuss and to deconstruct and to liberate ourselves from our parenting struggles, our, you know, our childhood struggles, our professional struggles, and really elevate. And it's called Evolve because it's all about releasing and untethering ourselves from encumbrances that really bog us down and to find new pathways. And I think you know, we can all read a book and we can all watch things in the coziness of our home, but it's when you're with the people live. So when people are with me live and, you know, they're with each other live, they exude a different energy that 
really can help them elevate at a much more exponential rate than if they're doing it alone. There's something about the group that's really powerful, and that's what this gathering you know, epitomizes and capitalizes upon. And I, having been there for the last four years, this being my fifth year in 2019, I have to say it is so moving to be in a room full of people who are taking this all in and really trying to transform and bring more compassion to themselves as they liberate themselves in life, in life's yes. journey. So yeah. thank you for holding Evolve. I appreciate it. And I know many other people do too. So, so they can find out about Evolve, you know, just by going to my website at drshafali.com. Awesome. Thank you. So before we wrap up, is there any parting words that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, you know, just that I see so many people struggle and most of the struggles are because we're just caught in our patterns and don't know how to get out of our patterns. But once we learn about our patterns, and that's why coming to conferences like Evolve are such an accelerated way of breaking free from patterns, understanding your patterns, the moment we start breaking free, then we begin to untether and live these joyfully liberated lives. It happens almost instantaneously. And we owe it to ourselves to live yes. in a liberated way. We absolutely owe it to ourselves. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on my show. It has been an honor and a pleasure. And to my listeners today, thank you so much for joining. And remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.